Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our reading today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 1 to 19. First, let us pray. Loving God, we come to worship with a longing in our hearts for everything that is broken to be made right, for the world to be a better place, and for our lives to better reflect your love. Speak to us once again the words of good news. May these words inspire and empower us for the week ahead. Amen. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise up from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, And there he put the man whom he informed. Out of the ground, the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flows out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divides and becomes four branches. The name of the first is Pishon, It is the one that flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of the land that is good. Bedlam and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it you shall die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. 
And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So the story is wondrous to behold. It's the second story of creation. There are two stories of creation in Genesis. The first chapter of Genesis has this extraordinary grand narrative where God is huge and God is so powerful, all God has to do is speak. God's voice alone is all that is needed for creation to come into being. God says, let there be light, and there is? God says, let there be stars, and there are? God speaks. That's all God has to do, and all of creation comes into being. It's a marvelous image of the power of God. And then we turn to the second chapter of Genesis that Diane just read for us, and we have a very different view of God. That's why I think the Holy Spirit gave us both versions of creation stories. In this creation story, God is not awesome and out there. God is right here. God is personal and intimate, so personal and so intimate that it says God creates humankind out of the dust of the earth. That's the first action of God in the second creation story. Out of the dust of the earth, you and I come as human beings. That's why on Ash Wednesday, we remind ourselves, from dust we have come, and to dust we shall return. That language comes from the second chapter of Genesis, when God creates the first human one out of the dust of the earth. And then God does this amazing thing. This is how intimate God is. God puts God's mouth up to this creature that has yet no life. And then God breathes through God's own mouth into the nostrils of this creature and life comes to be. God's breath is what gives life to this human one for the first time. So I invite you to take a deep breath in and let it out slowly. And take a deep breath in and let it out slowly. That breath you breathe in right now, that breath you're breathing out right now, that is the breath of God. In the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for breath is ruach. A number of you already know this, my Bible scholars. It's two syllables, ruach. Say ru, ru. say ah. It's in the back of your throat. Do a ch. Go ch. Ruach. It's the word for breath. Take a deep breath in. Let it out slowly. Deep breath in. Let it out slowly. That word for breath is ruach. When you breathe in every moment of your days, that is the breath of God in you. It is the first breath that formed the first human. 
In Hebrew, the word ruach also can mean spirit and can mean wind. So in Genesis 1, in the first grand story of creation, when it says that the spirit of God hovered over the waters of the deep, that spirit word is ruach. The ruach of God hovered over the waters of the deep. In the second chapter of Genesis, the ruach of God fills the lungs of the first human. Take a deep breath in. Let it out slowly. That is God's ruach in you. We have a wind advisory here in Kansas City area all throughout the day. You step outside in a few moments. You feel that wind across your face. Take a deep breath in. Let it out slowly. You think to yourself, oh, yes, the wind of God, the spirit of God, the breath of God. Take a deep breath in. Let it out slowly. Several years ago, when my dad was still alive in Seattle, he'd been diagnosed with pneumonia. And so I called him to check on him, to make sure he was okay. And he said, yeah, I'm doing fine. I've got antibiotics. And they gave me this mechanism that I'm supposed to breathe into. I said, oh, yeah, I know those machines, Dad, right? It's a plastic thing, right, with a, a, a ping-pong ball sort of there. Do you, you, he, yeah, that's exactly what I said. Yes, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to breathe into it, right? Get that ball in a certain place. Some of you know this because you're trying to get as much air in your lungs as possible because that air, that ruach, that breath will clean out your lungs and get rid of the pneumonia. Now, Dad, if you don't do those exercises, then the pneumonia will continue. It'll get worse, and you'll die, and that's okay because you'll go to heaven, and you'll see Mom. But if you want to live any longer, which is good, too, make sure you do that exercise every day with that, with that ball in the machine. Otherwise, you'll die. It's up to you. <laughs> There's just silence on the other end of the phone. I, Dad? Dad, you there? Uh, so... So do, do, you, do you visit people at Village Church? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all the time. And, and do you, as, a, as a pastor in, in their homes, oh, yeah, people are very kind. I go to their home, hospital rooms, all the, yeah, all, rehab all the time. Okay, um, Ro Roger, do you, do you talk to them the way you talk to me? <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm kind to them. I love them. No, no, no. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, Dad. Take a deep breath in, let it out slowly. What is that? Say it. Ruach. It's the breath of God. It's the Ruach of God. You walk outside in a few moments, you feel that wind. It's the Ruach of God. The Holy Spirit is live right now in this place. It's the Ruach of God. Then the marvelous story goes on and says, that God gave a river into the land of Eden, and that river split out into four other rivers, the Pishon, the Gahan, the Tigris, and the Euphrates. We don't know where the Pishon and the Gahan went, but we know where the Tigris and Euphrates are. They're in southern Iraq, which is why to this day, Bible scholars believe the Garden of Eden must be somewhere in southern Iraq. Take a deep breath in and let it out slowly. And then God says that it's not good that this human one should be alone. And so God creates all the creatures of the earth. And God does an amazing thing, brings all the creatures of the earth to the human and says, all right, 
So name these creatures, and whatever you name them, that will be their name. And so the human one names all the creatures of the earth. There's a website named Pinterest, and they've put together a collection of names for animals. They contend that our names for animals really are not the best names. There are better names for animals. I want to test a few of these with you. This Pinterest site says that we should not call this creature a porcupine. We should call it a... <laughs> an arrow pig. And this creature should not be a seagull. This creature should be... <laughs> and this is not an owl. This is actually a... And not a tiger, but a... <laughs> and not a mosquito, but a... <laughs> and, and that was a mistake for the human one to call it a, a peacock. It really should be called a... <laughs> and not a penguin, but a... Not an ostrich, but a... Not a rhinoceros, but a... Not a giraffe, but this is better. Not an orca or a killer whale, this is better, Pinterest says. And not a snake. And this is actually my favorite. This last one is my favorite of all. Not a manatee, but a... <laughs> so the Reverend John Brown is a good friend of mine. He's a pastor of the Old Bergen Church in Jersey City, New Jersey. He's the father to two amazing young adults now, Annalise and Matthias. When Annalise and Matthias were children, they begged him for a puppy. They were desperate for a puppy. And John held off because he knew he would likely end up being responsible for this puppy. Finally, he succumbed, and before one Christmas, he went out and got a black lab, brought it home, and when Annalise and Matthias came home from school, they were beyond delighted. They were playing with this gorgeous, delightful black lab puppy. And Annalise turned to her dad and said, Papa, what shall we name it? And John turned to her and to his son, Matthias, and he said, you need to be careful because once you name it, you have to take care of it. Once you name it, you have to take care of it. That's why I think the Lord God gave humankind the power to name. Because God was saying to us as we come upon this Earth Day that once you name it, you have to take care of it. There is great power in names. Last Sunday, our pastor Tom preached about the marvelous 
passage in John's gospel where Mary is at the empty tomb and Jesus eventually is standing right next to her and she doesn't recognize him. At first she thinks he's the gardener. And then as soon as Jesus says Mary, as soon as he says her name, then she recognizes him. There's great power in naming. In the first creation story, the writer says that God gave to humankind dominion over all the creatures of the earth. And we have misconstrued that understanding of dominion to mean domination. Thanks be to God and the Holy Spirit in our midst, we've understood now differently, better, I think, that dominion really is more about stewardship, about creation care. Once you name it, you have to take care of it. It's less about subduing the earth and more about being in relationship with her. Because we belong to the earth and the earth belongs to us. Because once you name it, you have to take care of it. So as I told you earlier, this Saturday around the whole globe is Earth Day. And this friend of mine, Dr. Patricia Hattal, is going to come. She's an Old Testament scholar. And she'll talk to us about how every day needs to be Earth Day. And she'll give us some practical hints on what it means to take care of God's good creation. You already know the bad news. You already know the bad news. You're paying attention. I know you are. You're a thoughtful, wonderful, amazing people whom I love. We've got floods everywhere, droughts other parts of the world, fires, natural disasters, thousand-year events are happening every other year. There's also good news in the midst of that. We are not past the point of no return. Every action matters, from recycling and cloth bags to resisting single-use water bottles and carrying your water bottles around with you wherever you go. We have a 75th anniversary of this congregation coming up in February of next year. One of the commitments of that campaign is that we will embed in the capital campaign steps to become carbon neutral as a congregation because we think that's the faithful thing to do. Because God says when you name it, you have to take care of it. Everything you do matters. Every small thing you do is cumulative. It makes a difference. We know that now. God has entrusted this planet to our care. This phrase is true. There is no planet B. This is it. This is what God has created for us. And God says you are to be in relationship with us. Because once you name it, you have to take care of it. It is our collective responsibility. Caring for this planet is how we show our gratitude for the gift of God's earth to all of creation. And being good stewards, that's how we praise God. That's why we're able to sing.
That's why we're able to sing together. For the beauty of the earth, Lord of all, to thee we raise. This our song of grateful praise. Friends, welcome to the Earth Day celebration. If you name it, you have to take care of it. I invite you to stand and let's sing together. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.